Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CatSource production. In this episode, I chat with former Boise State Bronco and Minnesota Viking Chase Baker. Chase is currently a defensive line coach for the fan-controlled football league. If you haven't heard of the FCL, you will. Fan-controlled football sits between traditional sports and gaming and pulls fans in from both sides. Chase and I discuss the FCL, his days playing for Coach Peterson at Boise State, and we explore the life of a college and professional athlete. Connect with Chase on LinkedIn or find him on Twitter at ChaseBaker91. Learn more about fan-controlled football at fcf.io. You can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz. Be sure to review and subscribe to this podcast so more people like you can check it out. Thank you. Now let's get into this episode and welcome Chase Baker. What was your experience working with Twitch or being a part of Twitch before this ever came around? Did you partake in any of their content beforehand? Yeah, so I follow a number of, of content creators and friends and people that I enjoy watching. And I've seen a lot of the people on Twitch. I tried to stream for a little bit. I wasn't very good at it. And so I appreciate the the people that are putting the effort in. But yeah, no, the, the Twitch thing has been really cool to see to grow. Obviously, it's known for the gaming platform, but they're making big pushes into different kinds of content. They don't want to be kind of stuck in that little pinhole of just gaming. You can see that the, they're evolving that any kind of live broadcast, whether that's sports, it can be gaming, obviously, but music, you got artists on there, you got all kinds of different artists, honestly, music, drawing, painting, face painting, you got role playing. So so it's just a place where if you can create it live, you can find a home on Twitch. Yeah. No, it's awesome because that's it, right? So many people thought of it as just a gaming platform and people are like, well, what's Twitch? Or that's for my kids. And well, you go on there now and it's completely change, right? And you got Amazon's involvement with it. And then you start seeing, well, there's a football league on it. Well, that's interesting. Well, then Amazon actually acquires the rights to Thursday night football. So even the content that's going to be coming even from the biggest league, which is the NFL, is going into a different platform because it was always like, let's make it free. Let's put it on the big networks. And now we're going in a different direction, just even on where they're going. So the thing is, so many leagues have tried to come in and create something different. But they never created anything different, it seemed like. It was replicating what already existed. And the difference was the talent wasn't the same. And the other thing I saw was that I felt like there was no history. There was no attachment to a team. It's like you just start liking a team one day. And that's not that easy to do. Like a lot of times these teams are like for generations. And you went to the university, you go to Boise State, and man, you just have this sense of pride and you wear the shirt before you even show up on campus. And then you're there and you go to a game and you got the blue field. You're like, I'm in, right? It's like, when's the next game? And so things are changing. So when I had come across you at an event, and then I was reading about fan-controlled football, I'm like, well, this is different. I felt like this is different. It felt unique. And I've been doing more research on it. And like, then you have this line of three tech geeks and a football player walk into a bar. That's the joke, right? But it's not a joke. This is for real. And I saw, I was like, okay, well, what's the viewership? Like, is anyone watching this? And then you see the chart and you see the viewers going up and up and up. And I read the reviews on it because I was just like, well, what do other people think about this? 
And the reviews are, people are reviewing it, they're staying, and they're excited about what's to come. Are you excited about what's to come with fan control football? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think we just kind of scratched the surface, but there's so much you can do and so much interaction you can create within Twitch and you give your whole community an inside look. And so that's what it's all about with the Twitch is kind of opening the door and letting everybody in to see how we create a football league and how their favorite players and the people that they get to watch, that they get inside access. And we try to bring a lot of our players on. We kind of had to get them on Twitch. They were doing their own gaming thing. We started their own channels. Some of a lot of them became affiliated in the short time that they were there because yeah, Twitch brings engagement that you can't just get from standard linear TV. And so it's definitely unique. Yeah. Well, you've gamified it too, because I see fan IQ. So if you call plays and you get it right, or then your IQ goes up and there's so much in tech that is gamification to where if I'm going to create engagement, I have to keep the user involved with it. They have to feel ownership, which you can own a part of these teams, right? You can buy shares in these teams but you have to, you feel part of it. And then it's like, okay, well now I have some gamification aspect to it as well. How has that been received? And again, we we're talking about before is I'm getting going here for whatever reason, I'm having some technical difficulties earlier on. I'm good now, but there's a ton of tech that's behind this league. This isn't just, Hey, let's just roll out the ball and line up the lines and let's go get it. There's way more going on behind the scenes when it comes to technology. Yeah, no, definitely. There was a full production team there integrating into to Twitch. You know, part of what our team was responsible for is understanding what the Twitch audience likes. But yeah, definitely. There's a lot to it, man. Like you said, it's a lot more than just playing some football. Yeah. Before this came around, I'm just curious, like whether it's football, college football, NFL, or just you pick a league. Were you getting bored or are you getting bored with the traditional telecast of watching a game on TV? Not necessarily me. Uh, Well, shoot, I guess I can't say that because I haven't had cable or anything like that in eight years, shoot, since I was in Minnesota. 2014 is when I kind of cut all cables. And so, yeah, I just haven't been around it, honestly. So I think that's pretty standard as you're seeing everybody cutting cables, they're going to these streaming services, and there's not this... I won't call it an addiction, but we're not stuck on cable channels. Obviously, it takes away you know the live football stuff, but if it's a game I really want to go see... Before the pandemic, you just go to a sports bar or a restaurant and you go hang out and eat and watch the game. And so there's more social aspects. So that's what the cool part about Twitch is, is you're engaging with other people. You get to see what other people's thoughts are. You hear their quarrels and what they think stupid. And so you can kind of relate to all the people in the chat. And then there's polls and there's ways to bet on it. You can wage your channel points on who you think is going to win. On it. We try to bring different ways to do that as well. So there's the one-on-one stuff on draft nights, and then our extra points, the one-on-one. So there's tons of different ways we can keep people engaged in betting on the circumstances and the outcome. So Yeah. Well, there's elements of betting and fantasy, right? And so fantasy football has been fascinating to watch because now you see people who otherwise probably wouldn't care about football talk about it. They'll go to a party, they'll go somewhere else, and they're telling you who's on their fantasy team. Like, you care. But they're so engaged with it that it's become a major part of professional football, right? Like whether the players like it or not, and I think they go on both sides and some people are in the middle, but the amount of attention that that brings to where you, that's what fan controlled football is doing is it's giving you that element of a sense of control, but it's more like in fantasy, it's like a sense of control. You really don't have a control, but in fan controlled football, you actually have that aspect of control. And like you said, engagement, which I think is interesting I do think though, like watching a game on TV, no doubt people are watching these games, 
but there's a change in the youth and how they watch a game. I can sit with my son and I could see he's not interested in sitting there for three, three and a half, maybe even a college football game can take four hours. I mean, college football, I love college football. It takes forever. NFL is typically three, maybe a little bit longer. And they have their time slots and it's very well organized. But like, I've gotten more into soccer because soccer is two hours. You get 45 minutes, halftime, 45 minutes. You know what you're going to get. It takes about two hours and you're done. Fan control football takes an hour. And I think that's this bite-sized content. It's not that attention spans. I think attention spans is being definitely, they're down. It's also a little bit overrated because someone can go binge watch six hours of a pick a show on Netflix, right? And they can definitely stay involved with that show. But at the same time, as people want it in bites, because a Netflix show is 30 minutes or an hour each, it's breaking it down. So I can watch all your games. But if I had to watch six games, I could watch it in six hours, right? But each game takes about an hour. Did you, did the team, did fan control football say like, hey, we want to chunk this thing down into bite size because we think that the younger fan base is going to appreciate that more than having to invest in an afternoon into this? Yeah, no, you're spot on, man. You're dead on. That, that was one of the founders. Their big emphasis was Gen Z millennials. Exactly what you said. They don't want to sit there for four or four and a half hours to watch these games. So they redesigned the game with that in mind. So they wanted a fast action, quick, hard-hitting, fun game. It's not your traditional 11-man football. You know, it's seven on seven, but there's three alignment, three D linemen, quarterback, got your two wide receivers and a super back. And so, yeah, it was very much redesigned with this fast action game. And so it just makes it run quicker. It makes it easier. You can keep the attention span for that amount of time and not have to worry about carrying on. They, they don't got to worry about ads and all the things that people are kind of sick of within the linear equation. Right. Did they see this as, or do you all see this as a niche at the beginning? Because I see that the amount of teams you have today, right? And then you want to get to say 20 teams in five years, that takes time and you're not jumping ahead of yourself and you're keeping it isolated, right? To one location for now. Do you see this more as a niche to say, let's go get our core super engaged fan or audience or owners, right? And then build from there. Has it been focused on that? Like, let's go get those super engaged fans at the beginning? Um, shoot, but that's a better question for the ownership group. But yeah, no, that definitely appears what, it, what it's been to me is honestly, because they're not doing it geographically, right? This isn't the Boston team or this or that. They're choosing well-known influencers, well-known sports heads, some big NFL names. They got comedians, but people that have a solid audience already and they're bringing them along on this adventure of owning a team like hey this is my team you guys rocking with this together and they kind of create the fandom themselves and so it's unique because fans don't come in and they got to pick a team there's no bandwagon fans essentially so you come in and usually it's i love marshawn lynch so i'm going to be with the beast and, and they follow the beast the whole year and i think uh, at the end you could see some of the fans did want to kind of jump ship i saw a lot of comments on guys being like hey can i switch i started as this i want to be with this team now so That'll be an interesting thing on, on how we do it. Because when you join, you have to choose a team. You can't be a bandwagon fan. So I don't know how that's going to play out. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, but that's the thing. The uncertainty of it all and what takes place from there. You use the word unique. And you know, I think back to when you played ball at Boise State. Obviously, talent matters. Having a good coach, having a good system, having all that play itself out, having a good program. You played on a blue field. And this was a unique, I remember the time when there was love and hate with it, but people talked about it. There was something unique there. Like, again, 
talent matters and the game matters and you still have to win. So you could have what you could have a rainbow field. You could have any color. If you're not winning the games, no one really cares. Which they need to get permission from us in order to, you know, paint their field any color. I, I figure as much, right? I mean, so do you see like branding standing out, being unique? Like now you got to like, yeah, you got to prove it out, right? Because you can go and start a new business. You can start a new football league. And if it flames out, people will be there to tell you, I told you so. So you can have a blue field like, well, that's stupid because you guys are losing. I don't know how many games you lost at Boise State, but I want to say it was three or four games that you lost. Three. Three. Like a combined five points. I mean, that's crazy, right? Chris Peterson built an incredible program and you guys were just, you were fun to watch and you had this unique feel to it because of just maybe the stadium and the way you played. Do you see that though? Like even today when you're part of fan-controlled football to say, man, we're doing something unique and I saw this taking place at my alma mater. I hadn't actually thought of that. That's the first time it's been correlated to that. But yeah, no, for me, I've always enjoyed and been attracted to the startup scene and things that are new and unique and, and they kind of break the mold. And so, yeah, no, as I was kind of debating if this is something I wanted to do, I, that was very much a big consideration. This is new. This is something I get to have a say in and, and help kind of create. But the branding is a big part of it, obviously. But it, going back to the Boise thing, man, yeah, we had an insane team. A lot of talent and great coaches and the culture, I think, was what separated us. And so, yeah, anywhere I go, man, I try and instill some of that. I think there's lessons that Coach P taught that are not football related at all, but they can help anywhere you go. And so I try and bring some of that with me. And everywhere you go, you pick up things that you enjoy, things that you want to pass on. So just trying to bring the best of all the places you've been and try and bring that wherever you go. Yeah. Well, you stack those things together. I always talk about that. Like you are this person that played in Sacramento in high school. You go to Boise State, you have that. You played for these incredible teams. You had this incredible coach. Like you become one of the only people that has those talent stacks and those experience stacks of all the things that you can put together. What was it when you're getting recruited to go play at Boise State? We talked about this a little bit before. What was it? Did you see the culture? Like, did you just know? Like, what was it that said, I'm going there? It was loyalty, honestly. Loyalty was what got me there. I didn't have a lot of knowledge about Boise, actually. By the time I committed, I obviously learned a little bit more. I went on my official trip. Yeah, no, going into my junior year, they were one of the teams that had committed early and offered a scholarship. I thought I was going to play on my senior year and make those choices, but I ended up tearing my ACL. And so I never played my senior year. And I was trying to make it like halfway through. And I came back early. And I tore it again in my first practice back. And so I had to call them and be like, hey, guys, I tore my ACL again. I'm not going to play this year. And so, you know, the teams that I was really looking forward to, and, and it sounds bad, but at the time I was thinking, you know, I'm going to Cal, I'm going to USC. Those are my top two teams. And they offered walk-ons. I was like, that's not going to work. So I had to reevaluate. And, and Boise was like, hey, we're still sticking with you. The offer still stands. And it was like, all right, let's roll. And so... Boise got me with their loyalty and then obviously the program and the coaches there. And so it ended up being the best thing for me. Honestly, I'm an outdoors guy. I love the Boise vibe out there. We were close to everything. I could take off, go to the Snake River. You got lakes there. The river runs right through the right through the school. There's so much to do outdoors-wise. So it worked out so well. I'm so glad it happened. It just worked out. Yeah. When you tore your ACL that second time, and I don't know what the timeline was between when you had to make these phone calls to say this just happened and like do you remember, can you put yourself back in that time to think like, this is it? Like, I'm done? From the second it happened, I remember tearing it and I was on the ground like crying. I knew I retore it. It was on a tackle. I rolled it. I threw the guy down. It was first day in practice. They had just released me and tore it again. And I was sitting there and I knew I couldn't stand up, but I was crying. I'm like, well, 
that's the end of the career. <laughs> like I'm done. But no, so so yeah, those, those were I'd say difficult conversations because I remember calling. I didn't want to tell him. I didn't want to tell him I'd return my ACL, but it was like I gotta let him know the situation. And I don't worry about it. We're still with you. So that was huge to me. What was that they were still willing to stick with me? Yeah, I, I would say so. And people go through stuff, right? They go through these tough times and you'll know of other kids, right? Whether they're football players or soccer players or field hockey players, and they'll go through these challenges and have these expectations of what's going to take place next. And then something throws them for a loop, whether it's tearing an ACL or who knows, or just a scholarship being withdrawn or forget sports. It could be anything. And to have that faith and to keep pushing through and to make that phone call, probably one of the hardest phone calls you've ever had to make in your life to like say that this has just taken place. I was that they were like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Like, you know, he didn't know how that was going to go. Yeah. That's awesome to have to see that to hear. I mean, you hear about these stories in this program in Boise State, and but to like hear it from someone like you who played there, and then you show up and you have this culture because we hear about culture all the time in sports. And again, talent matters. Like you have to have the talent, but like a lot of teams in different programs have talent, but they don't have the culture. They don't have the program. There's something missing, and they don't get to reach that level. But for you to then be like, man, you saw the loyalty, and it kind of makes sense that it played out on the field your four years at Boise State, because like you said, you lost three games. Not many college football players can say that. And to be there with one of the legendary coaches of our times that we all talk about. You know, Coach Pete was something special, man. And he just retired. He went over to Washington and revived that program. And But yeah, everything that Coach Pete did, I honestly, you know, I've said this a few times and I felt bad, but I don't know if I learned a single thing about football from Coach Pete. His was all about integrity, about doing the right thing, about taking care of business and being a man. And then Coach K, my other coach there. And then as I've kind of moved into this coaching stuff, looking back, Coach K was a D-line coach. And so, you know, all D-line coaches tend to be loud and very obnoxious and in your face and yelling. And Coach K wasn't like that. He was very much grounded. He was not easy going, but it was just a different vibe that you weren't getting screamed at. And so he kind of showed you the way of you don't have to be this loud, intense guy that's always screaming. You can coach within your personality. I think that's kind of cool. And I'm glad I saw that in action because that's kind of how I've taken it as well. Well, because football ends, right? I mean, there's this ending to it and you have to figure out like what that's going to mean. Well, or your time in college is going to end, right? It's four years max or sometimes you get a red shirt, gray shirt year. So your time comes to an end there, have an incredible career. I mean, just so many ups that you've had there. And the next up is going and trying to make it in the NFL, which you did in Minnesota Vikings. And what was life after college like for you, which is not typical compared to what most people would have to say, I'm taking a shot at the NFL. Like, what was that process like of going from college to the pros? I don't know. It was definitely a transition. In college, it's about that brotherhood. You've got your team locked in and you know who your teammates are and you can rely on them. It went to very much more of a business kind of atmosphere. It was... It was all about business. It was taking care of things. And that was fine. It just had a very different feel to it. But that kind of transition was cool. And the fact that I got to do it with one of my close friends, Tyrone Crawford, we ended up with the same agent, went out and trained out in the Detroit area. And yeah, it was just kind of a different experience. You know, our agent had a gym in his basement that we used, and that was kind of where we worked out. And and he kicked our ass and we did a bunch of stuff within martial arts. And I had to do a thousand squad kicks once a week, <laughs> counting in Japanese. So <laughs> it was, again, I love my experiences, but yeah, everything's been a very unique journey. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good word for the conversation that we're having. So you're with the Minnesota Vikings and you're there for a couple of years, I believe. And then that comes to an end. Like, 
talked to a lot of athletes and played college or some made it to the pros and in different sports. And there's this life after football, right? Eventually you're going to stop playing, whether it's for different reasons, whether you're just not good anymore, you get hurt, something else happened. I mean, you just done with the game. When did you know that your days playing professional football or at least playing NFL football were over? And then how are you thinking about all that? Yeah. So I kind of got to back up, I guess, but going into it, I'd already had a lot of knee surgeries. I was very injury prone, I guess. I didn't miss many games, but I'd gone through a lot of knee surgeries, a lot of issues, you know, broke my thumb, hernias, all, all kinds of injuries. So I was already on a short list. But yeah, so I messed up my back in Minnesota and I jumped around. I went up to the CFL after the Vikings cut me, got cut up there and immediately got signed to the Patriots and did really well in my workout, killed it. They agreed to sign me. And then the next day, they signed me. The next day, I failed my physical because of my back. And so that was the day where it was like, okay, that was kind of the same reason I was let go from the CFL, along with, you know, that they had the rules of the Canadians. And it was just a weird situation out there. But when I came back to the NFL and immediately failed my physical, I knew that was kind of the end because I did really well. They wanted me. I knew some of the coaches and players out there. I think I was always prepared for it because I didn't even think I was, was going to get a true shot because of all the injuries. But I worked my way through that and very excited and proud of the time that I spent out there. But yeah, by no means did I light the NFL on fire or anything, but it was just playing out my dream, enjoying the time that I had and trying to take advantage of it. But once that ends, I always thought I was prepared. I thought I was ready for that transition. But once it comes, I think there's, especially when you have so much love for the game, no matter what, it's difficult to walk away from cold turkey. Yeah. When the Patriots signed you and then you failed the physical, I'm assuming that's part of your contract that you'll get paid if you pass this physical. If you don't pass this physical, you're not getting paid. Is that right? Essentially, yeah. So it was like the first week of the season. But yeah, I didn't get paid anything. They brought me in. They gave me my playbook. I stayed up till like 3 a.m. <laughs> studying it. I got all excited. I got up for practice. And right before I was getting ready, they came over and told me I failed my physical. I was on a plane by like 10 a.m. that morning. And it went from like, woo, I'm on the team and to being cut, going back home and going like, well, what the hell now? But they ended up winning a Super Bowl that year too. So that, I was going to say, what year was that? And did they win a Super Bowl? Probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was 14, 15, somewhere in that range. Okay. But yeah, they won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. How long after that time period happens, like you said, like you think you're ready for it, you're not ready for it. Was this like... And maybe you still think about it sometimes, right? It goes back I and mean, it's part of your history. It's part of your life now. And it seems to be like that you've really taken next steps and have all sorts of things going on. And I could just tell by having this conversation with you and I appreciate all of this and, and sharing this because this is what a lot of people deal with, whether it is in sports or business or just a person leaving college and going into the real world. I mean, it's uh, there's so many adjustments in life or having a child and like just a lot of stuff happening or dealing with an illness. But was it about like just kind of getting back out there and working on something new? Your new external focus perhaps became the way you dealt with like maybe football days are over? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure how to answer that, honestly. But I don't know that I'm still fully over it. Honestly, I still... I was just talking about this the other day, but I have dreams probably once every three months where I have a dream that I've been brought back to the Vikings or I'm on a pro team and I wake up thinking I'm late for a meeting and it's like... Like I wake up like, oh shit, Like I'm late, I'm late. My heart's beating, I'm freaked out. I really think I'm on the team and I have this dream. It reoccurs every couple months and it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like 
post-traumatic stress, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild how it still stays with you. And so I don't know what that is, honestly, but moving on wise, yeah, I think you still deal with it. And especially, like I said, if you, if you love the game that much, it's hard to ever let it go. And so I've tried to step away. I didn't think I would be coaching or anything like that, but the game always finds a way to bring me back in. I enjoy it. I go really coaching at the high school level youth camps and and then off you see the opportunity with the fcf that came that was huge and so i just keep finding my way back but i love football and there's just other things that i love as well and so uh, kind of that shiny object syndrome i chase the things i enjoy and there's a lot of stuff that i find joy in so it gets difficult so focus is my issue i gotta make sure i focus in sometimes well it seems like too and you'd said this before there's no regret i mean you relish in those experiences that you got to have that most people don't get to have and you continue to lean into it today and you continue to help other football players out and people in the football world out and and even sharing your stories on this right i mean on a podcast i mean coming out here and talking about fan controlled football talking about your playing career talk about boise state and coach pete right and all these things i think it's important and how you felt about it it helps someone like myself out just having this type of conversation so i appreciate it and there's no regret, right? You just, it just seems like you're moving forward and you're leaning into it. And that's what like the opportunity finds you that fan controlled football and it fit your dynamic of what you think about the shiny object and just something unique and something different. You're like, yeah, let's go for this and let's be a defensive line coach. I got something I can contribute to it. And, and you're passionate about it, right? Obviously that's obvious because like you see players like, yeah, they just lost their itch for it. Like maybe they had more talent than the other one, but it didn't really matter because they just, don't have that anymore. And it's a grind, right? I mean, any of these things that we're doing is a grind. And I'm sure football is my, it's got to be up there. You're getting up and getting up and going through it. And you're lucky to be on a really good team too, right? So, so that helps, I'm sure. But you lose a game. And then what do you do after you lose a game? It's difficult stuff. But uh, keeping leaning into this thing and being out there. And it's interesting because so much is happening when we talked about before. You have esports, you have technology, the gaming, the different leagues that are coming out and the different opportunities that are coming out. And you're at the forefront of it at this startup league, startup company that's almost maybe revolutionizing the way football could be played. And it's not changing the NFL. It's just an added thing that I think a lot of people are going to like. And that's got to be exciting in and of itself to like allow you to focus on that. I mean, I see that you see that, right? Definitely. Again, that's a huge reason for why I got involved is it's, we're pioneering something very new and, and we get to kind of make it what we want. But yeah, going back to it's just transitions, man. It's just life's about transitions and, and how you jump into the next things. And so, yeah, this is right up my alley. Like I said, it goes with my core of who I am. And, and for me, a lot of it was being able to I had the, the best group of D linemen out and every single D lineman was just a great guy. They put their heart in line. They, they work their ass off every day. And again, uh, it was just an awesome experience. But shout out to my D-Line too, man. D-Line. Those guys were amazing to work with, especially for you know my first time at, at a level like that. I never even coached at the college level. It's been high school and youth. And, and I've done some stuff with camps and with some older kids and, and training and helping people along the way. But that was my first experience and it was nothing short of awesome. Yeah. What would you tell a current athlete today, whether they're in college or professional, like we talked about before, knowing that the time will come where you won't be playing anymore? Is there anything that you would recommend? I mean, things are changing with name, image, likeness in college sports and professional leagues. Uh, this year is a down year as far as salary cap, but it's going to continue to go up with their new TV deal and all this. But content platforms becoming a big deal, whether it's a podcast or getting on social media or being in college campus and not thinking maybe that you're all that 
because that time will come and being nice to the people around you. But like, what is something that you would suggest that athletes do in college professional level? Obviously different things. No, I would say definitely build the brand. That was one of my biggest regrets throughout my college and and pro days. I didn't enjoy the social media stuff and and I didn't take it as seriously as I probably should have. And so I would have definitely focused more on building that brand that allows you to, once you're done, that you can rely on and come back to. Um, And that's a huge part of what we do with the Connected by Face stuff. Um, My partner Ian's big on Twitch. And so we're bringing these pro athletes and these athletes onto Twitch. And so my advice is always, again, get off your high horse. These people want engagement. They want to engage with you. They want to know who you are outside of football. And you have to kind of let down that wall. You can't be on your high horse. You just have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. You have to be transparent and be willing to engage, man. You're not too big or too good to, to respond to the chat. That's the biggest issue with a lot of these players is they get on Twitch and they don't engage with their chat. And that's what Twitch is all about is engagement, man. So engage with your fans, be honest with them, hang out with them, make those real connections. And it's just a good practice in general for anyone, but especially these athletes is being open to be connected with people. Yeah. I mean, because those things just build upon themselves, right? I mean, I've seen it before. I've told the story before. I remember going, it was a hockey game and it was from Buffalo, New York originally. And the Sabres were a couple hours in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I go to the game and my son's really little at the time. And one of the players kind of skates by the boards. His name was Tim Connolly. And a lot of Sabres fans like had a love-hate relationship with the guy. And he was just watching the warmups and Tim Connolly looks at me and he looks at my son and he gives me the head bob and he flips the puck over the boards and this stuff happens and I catch it and I gave it to my son and my son's reaction was like, my son to this day knows who Tim Connolly is. And it doesn't have to be that type of thing. It could be walking down campus and a head bob to some kid and, or like you said, on social media and engaging with someone. I mean, those things play itself out in the long run. I mean, you're proof of doing that. And perhaps it's you perhaps not taking that seriously, like you just said earlier on, is allowing you to really hone in on it today. Because I've seen it. Like We connected on LinkedIn. We connected on Twitter. You've been very engaged in those conversations that we've had. You've been very engaged in this today. You're living that, right? That's the proof of concept. And I think that's awesome. And proof of concept is what fan-controlled football is all about, Like even in the first year. And it goes back to a few years ago when in uh, Salt Lake City, right? Where they said, here's an idea. What if we did this? What if we can create engagement? And, oh, that worked. Let's go build a league around this thing. And that's what fan-controlled football became. And it had to engage the fans going back to the beginning. It's no different than an individual athlete or individual person creating that type of engagement, like you said, through content, through messaging, through communication. Like That's really all we're talking about here. And no one's bigger, badder than the other person. It's just, let's talk about it. And I think there's a lot of conversations that we can be had. And man, I think this is awesome. And I appreciate you just coming on here and talking about all these different things and talking about the blue field and your experience playing football and fan-controlled football and everything else. When's the next season starting? Where do we learn more about it today? And where do we watch fan-controlled football? Man, so they're in the process of fundraising right now. And once they finish that up and they have everything in place, they'll start making those plans. But I definitely believe and hope we will have another season here before the end of the year, hopefully around fall time. But that just depends on their efforts. But it's going to be a blast, man. And if you jump on twitch.tv slash FCF, you can go check out some of the games. You can see the whole broadcast. You can see the engagement. There's thousands and thousands of people and they're chatting and talking and you can see kind of the process that we did and some of the stuff that we're, we're looking to build on. But um, definitely cool. We want people to jump in and choose their teams and call plays. And again, name of the game is engagement. On a personal level, for any company, it's essentially the same thing. Everybody's fighting for that engagement and Again, if it should be yourself and 
be open to, to meeting and hanging out with new people. Again, connections. Yeah, that's it. Chase, where do people connect with you? I've connected with you on LinkedIn and Twitter. Are those the best places? Those are probably my favorite, man. LinkedIn yeah. and Twitter are where I stick with it. It's either that business stuff and I can see where you've been and some of the stuff you've been. And then Twitter, I don't know. It's simple. But I messed around with the TikTok. I really do need to, to do <laughs> TikTok. It's a great platform with unlimited reach right now. So we had a good friend kind of jump on Hakeem Valiz and he's kind of a TikTok guru and he, he showed us some things and I created a couple of videos, man, and, and they did really well using his technique. So I think one had like 50,000 wow. yeah. views, which is insane. Yeah. There's a blueprint that could be followed and I need to jump on there more. Yeah. Well, like you said, being authentic, being genuine, being unique, having something different to say, I think that matters. And you're right. Like you go to YouTube and you can go find all these games. You go to Twitch and you can see the games. So you can get a flavor as to like, what is fan control football? What does it feel like? What am I watching? And you can see the excitement with it. And I like how you put it, like sit between traditional sports and gaming and pull fans in from both sides of it. And I think that's awesome. I would imagine that we're going to see that second season come up. I imagine that there's a lot to be had there. And I think the second season would even take it to the next level because of everything that we even saw with the pandemic, right? And people were back home and and looking for new ways to engage and people getting caught up in different sports and different ways to watch sports. So I think it's awesome, man. It's fun to talk about for sure. And it's be fun to watch what you're up to and what fan controlled football is going to look like coming up. But Chase, thank you again, man, for taking the time and chatting with me and staying engaged through all of it. Absolutely, Eric. I appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out while my wife's work in their office and they're out there doing But no, I appreciate your time as well, man. Thank you for having me on. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sportsypreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mm-hmm.